0: Through a circle that ever returneth In to the self same spot, And much of madness, and more of sin, And horror the soul of the plot. But see, amid the mimic rout, A crawling shape intrude, A blood-red thing that writhes From out the scenic solitude. It writhes, it writhes with mortal pangs, The mimes become its food, and the seraphs sob at vermin fangs in human gore imbued. Out, out of the lights, out all, And over each quivering form The curtain, a funeral pall, Comes down with the rush of a storm, And the angels, all pallid and wan, Uprising, upveiling, Affirm that the play is the tragedy man, And its hero, the conqueror, worm. Oh, God! Half-shrieked Ligeia, Leaping to her feet and extending her arms aloft With a spasmodic movement, As I made an end of these lines, O God, O Divine Father, Shall these things be undeviatingly so? Shall this conqueror be not once conquered? Are we not part and parcel in thee? Who who knoweth the mysteries of the will with its vigour? Man does not yield him to the angels, Nor unto death utterly, Save only through the weakness Of his feeble will. And now, as if exhausted with emotion, She suffered her white arms to fall, And returned solemnly to her bed of death. And as she breathed her last sighs, There came, mingled with them, A low murmur from her lips. I bent to them my ear, and distinguished again the concluding words of the passage in Glanville, Man doth not yield him to the angels, nor unto death utterly, save only through the weakness of his feeble will. She died, and I, crushed into the very dust with sorrow, could no longer endure the lonely desolation of my dwelling in the dim and decaying city by the Rhine. I had no lack of what the world calls wealth. Ligeia had brought me far more, very far more, than ordinarily falls to the lot of mortals. After a few months, therefore, of weary and aimless wandering, I purchased and put in some repair, an abbey, which I shall not name. In one of the wildest and least frequented portions of fair England. The gloomy and dreary grandeur of the building, the almost savage aspect of the domain, the many melancholy and time-honoured memories connected with both, had much in unison with the feelings of utter abandonment which had driven me into that remote and unsocial region of the country— Yet, although the external abbey, with its verdant decay hanging about it, suffered but little alteration, I gave way with a childlike perversity, and perchance with a faint hope of alleviating my sorrows, to a display of more than regal magnificence within. For such follies, even in childhood, I had imbibed a taste, and now they came back to me as if in the dotage of grief. Alas, I feel how much even of incipient madness might have been discovered in the gorgeous and fantastic draperies, in the solemn carvings of Egypt, in the wild cornices and furniture, in the bedlam patterns of the carpets of tufted gold. I had become a bounden slave in the trammels of opium, and my labours and my orders had taken a colouring from my dreams. But these absurdities I must not pause to detail. Let me speak only of that one chamber, ever accursed, whither, in a moment of mental alienation, I led from the altar as my bride, as the successor of the unforgotten Ligeia, the fair-haired and blue-eyed Lady Rowena Trevanion of Tremaine, There is no individual portion of the architecture and decoration of that bridal chamber which is not visibly before me. Where were the souls of the haughty family of the bride, when, through thirst of gold, they permitted to pass the threshold of an apartment so bedecked, a maiden and a daughter so beloved?'